Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, and we are headed into a summer-like, well, far out as I can see on my weather app, it looks like it's going to be summer-like temperatures for the foreseeable future, which uh, it's going to do a few things. Obviously, we're going to get warm weather. It's going to get a lot of people outside. We're going to talk about that. The fishing is going to start to dramatically change in a good way. Well, I don't know if it's going to dramatically change because it's been pretty good, but it's going to really elevate. And in the second hour, Nate Zielinski will come on and talk about how that's affecting the walleyes. And in uh, uh, that same hour, Chad LaChance will join us. And we're going to talk about changing how you go after bass this time of the year, both in ponds and reservoirs. So we're going to see a lot of, a lot of changes in that. We're going to talk some fly fishing here in just a few minutes from the folks at the Blue Quill been a strange year for runoffs. Some of our drainages had pretty good snow. Some of them were really bad, and it's come off in a funny way. So as soon as we get Chris on the line, we'll talk about that. He'll be here in just a minute. Uh, And then it's free fishing weekend, too. Remember that, that today and tomorrow you can fish in Colorado without a fishing license. You know what? This is a great time to get out, dust off some of that old gear you have, and maybe see if you want to get back into fishing and then buy an annual license. But it's also a great time to take a kid out because if you take a young kid out, he can fish without a license, but you can't help him. But today and tomorrow you can. And when when we talk about some of the um, different types of fishing going on, you're going to understand that. We'll also take you down to the Arkansas River where there might be some restrictions on boating coming up. We're going to find out about that. And uh, we're going to talk to a couple new places, too, that offer some fishing opportunities. So we have a lot to cover. Right now, let's go right to the phones. And joining us from the Blue Quill Angler is Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, and I was looking out at the weather, and we got this, as far as I can see now, we're in summer-like weather, which in some ways stabilizes the lake patterns and the warm water species, but it's it's going to put some variation in the rivers, and it's been a strange runoff year, hasn't it? Oh, man, it really has. It's been um, such a delayed start to our runoff this spring. Um, and your intro was so perfect because it is. Some rivers, we're in full-fledged runoff mode. The rivers are high. Um, and a lot of the tailwaters, the rivers are controlled by dams. All those have been running really low all spring. So it's kind of a tale of two different stories here. Yeah, it really is. It's just kind of different. And, of course, we've seen a lot of people out. And we've seen some areas of the state, like the areas you and I live in, actually got a pretty good snowpack. But it's been melting funny, and it's been going funny. So we'll see what's yet to come down. And some areas of the state, of uh, like southwest, has been just in very dire conditions. Uh, McPhee Reservoir is down about 40 feet right now. So we're we're seeing all sides of it here. What do you, before we even get into the current conditions, is there much snow in our drainages left to come down yet? There still is. There still is plenty of snow. Um, and, in fact, you know, we monitor a lot, like, the inflows to Ontario Reservoir and Spinney Reservoirs, and that's for the South Platte Basin, and that's how we start monitoring runoff and how those rivers are starting to kick. Um, and right now, those inflows are finally starting to get up there pretty high. 
where in, the outflow to Antero is over 100 now. The outflow or the inflow to Spinney is over 300. And so that tells you all that snow is starting to melt from up high. It's starting to come down pretty good. I think we still have probably another few weeks of it to come. Um, and when it happens, that's going to start filling up a lot of those lakes on the headwaters of the South Platte, the Antero Reservoirs and Spinney. And um, I know 11 Mile is pretty filled and Cheeseman's starting to get there too. And as soon as those lakes start filling up pretty good, then the anglers can expect a little bit more water coming out of the dams feeding the rivers now. And by the way, along those lines, Spinning Mountain, I believe, just in the last couple of days, did finally open for boating. It was open from shore fishing, so they are receiving quite a bit of water there. Take me through the rivers you typically fish. What's going on right now? Yeah, you bet. So we've been uh, we've been kind of fishing all over the place. Been trying to follow the water as much as we can. Um, the flows at a Cheeseman Reservoir have been really low for the last uh, few months. Have been at 46 cfs, which is really really skinny water in Cheeseman Canyon. Now as that river progresses down through the town of Deckers, there's a few tributary creeks that dump in and they're putting in a good amount of water down there. So the flows down at Deckers right now are really actually pretty good considering what the dam is releasing. Um, so we've been hitting Deckers, been hitting a little bit of Cheeseman. Um, out on the Dream Stream have been kind of hit or miss because the flows have been really low out there, been at 50 CFS. And so that's going to start bumping up a little bit, and that will get a few more fish in the system as well. Um, another river that we've been hitting a lot is the Colorado. And it's such a weird year on the Colorado because normally the river's raging right now and blown. But because of all the tailwaters that are feeding into the Colorado, all those tailwaters are really, really low right now. And so the Colorado is historically low. Um, and so... It's have, it's actually really hard to float down that river right now because of those flows, but the fishing has been really good. And so the caddis hatches, the betas are still going, the stoneflies are going to start moving around pretty good as well. Um, yeah, so we've been kind of just trying to follow the water as much as we can. Now, on the Colorado, you said, you know, when you talk about it's the beginning of June, the first weekend in June, and the Colorado is a little tough to drift, not because it's blowing out, but because lack of flow. That gets a little scary. But it does open up some more walk weight opportunities. Now, upper Colorado has some pretty good. Are there any other areas where walk weight is pretty available in the Colorado because of the flows right now? Yeah, you know, that, like you said, the upper Colorado, um, like below the town of Kremlin, those areas like Pump House all the way through State Bridge are fishing really, really good. And then higher upstream near the town of Partial. There's some great walk weight opportunities right now. Um, the fish are really responding nicely. Um, and what you want to try to target is you just want to find the transition zones. And what I mean by that is you want to try to find the shelves, the drop-offs, where it goes from skinnier water and it drops it to a deeper run. That's where you're going to find a lot of fish stacked up right now. Now, are you getting much dry fly action overall? I mean, is it bearing by hatch or are you doing a lot of nymphing? You know, it's still primarily nymphing right now. The dry flies this time of year are really hit or miss. Um, in fact, these sunny, sunny days make it really tough to have a really good dry fly action. Um, but if you get an afternoon where you have those storms coming in and you get a little pressure change, that could be some really good opportunities for dry flies. Um, typically, we see caddis moving around throughout the day. But on the Colorado, we're getting this great early morning caddis hatch. And so you can have great dry fly fishing 
first thing in the morning before that sun really rises too high in the sky. Um, and then once that sun comes up, then we start transitioning. We start fishing a little bit deeper and uh, throwing a lot of caddis larvae, throwing a lot of betas nymph imitations and emergers. And, um, you know, the good thing about right now is we're starting to see a few different bugs being really active in the water systems. And so there's not one magic fly that's going to catch all those fish. There's a lot of flies that are really productive right now. Well, uh, this is a good time of the year a lot of times for those generic flies and almost attractor flies that you're almost more concerned about the size and color than you are what it imitates, right? That's exactly it, you know. Like there's times, you know, when we're going to get into this nice weather stretch this week. And when it's when you get really nice weather, that's going to cause more of that melt to start happening. And sometimes that will throw a little stain into the water. And when that happens, size and color, like you said, is so important. We like to throw a lot of dark color flies when the water's a little stained, a little brown color, because we found that that color black just contrasts that dirty water so well, and those fish can see it pretty easily. Now, let's take, you know, we get a lot, we've got a lot of, as you're aware of, we have a lot of new people getting into the outdoors, taking up fishing, and fly fishing is one of the sports that people do sometimes take up later in life, where other types of outdoor activity, a lot of times, if you don't do it when you're young, you don't get into it, Um, but for a lot of these newer people out there, why don't you describe your typical nymph setup, how you rig the rod and the line and leaders? Yeah, you bet. So, the first thing you start with is your leader. And, you know, most rivers um, that are a little bit bigger, like the Colorado, the Arkansas, you want to be on a, about a 9-foot 4X leader, which is about 6 to 8-pound test line. Um, if, the, if you're fishing deckers or you're fishing a tailwater, meaning a river controlled by a dam, you probably want to drop down to a 5 or a 6X, which is a little smaller um, in the leader, just to be a little sneakier on the fish. And so a lot of times what we're doing is we're starting with our leader and we're going to put our first fly on. And a great first fly right now is a black or a coffee color, uh, Pat's rubber legs, which is a stone fly imitation. Um, sizes eights, tens, and twelves are really productive right now. Um, the stone flies are starting to move and migrate in the water pretty he- healthily right now. So the fish are keen into them pretty good. And then behind that, we actually throw a lot of two fly setups. So we'll use that first fly, Sometimes it's an attractor to say, hey, fish, look over here, get their attention a little bit. And then that second fly, we usually throw a little bit smaller, more of a realistic mayfly imitation um, or a different aquatic in- insect imitation. And so like a pheasant tail, um, right now with a caddis, a hare's ear is a really good fly. Uh, both of those are really classic standard fly fishing patterns. Um, there's a fly called a buckskin. And the buckskin, if you guys are out there, throw buckskins right now. Those flies are so good, um, and they'll be catching fish for the next few months here. All right. And then, of course, you're putting an indicator above that and some – are you using some split shot too? Yeah, you know, we are – so about 12 inches in front of that first fly, we'll put a good size split shot on. Um, And that's the biggest thing that we tweak a lot in our rigs is not so much our fly choice – but it's our weight and where our flies are drifting in the water column. And early in the morning, you really want to make sure you have a decent amount of weight where you're touching the bottom of the river. Um, and then you'll have an indicator probably about three to four feet above that weight. And, uh, and a lot of times when we're teaching people, we're telling if you're hooking a rock or a stick on the bottom every four or five drifts, that's pretty good on your weight. 
if you're not hitting, hitting the bottom at all, which makes your life easy, you're probably not going to be catching a lot of fish. So you want to make sure you keep throwing a little bit more weight on until you're tapping the bottom of the river. And what's your favorite type of indicator? I personally love yarn. Uh, we have several different types of indicators people use in fly fishing. They have little plastic bobbers that we call thingamabobbers, um, and we can use yarn. And the advantage to using a yarn indicator is when that rig lands on the water on your cast, yarn lands so soft, it doesn't plop the water, it doesn't make a big presence. And then as it's drifting down the river, that yarn will sprawl out on the water and it picks up little small strikes where it's not necessarily going to go diving underwater if a fish hits your fly, but you're dr watching that yarn drift down the river and it might just twitch, it might tweak or slow down a little bit. But the yarn's really sensitive, and it's really good at telling you what's affecting your fly on the bottom. And a white piece of yarn looks so much like just a little foam on the river. It tends not to spook the fish. Uh, that's just it, you know. It's, uh, it's non-threatening to them. It's we, like, we use a lot of whites. We use a lot of tans just for that exact reason, Terry. Nothing too threatening. Um, you know, sometimes on really heavily pressured rivers like Deckers and areas of the South Platte, those fish, if you use a big plastic indicator, they can see that, and they're starting to shy away from it a little bit. And so it's way more advantageous sometimes to throw that yarn indicator. we got a couple minutes left. I have a couple questions. Real quickly, the rivers that go right through town, it's free fishing weekend. A lot of people might want to get out, say, Clear Creek or Bear Creek. What are you seeing or hearing there? Yeah, so Clear Creek's flowing really good right now, um, meaning that it's really high. The it's flowing over 400 cubic feet per second, which is, I mean, that that's ripping down Clear Creek. Um, there are still fish in there, and there's, they have to eat when those flows are up high. Um, but a lot of times as an angler, if you're going to go hit Clear Creek, your life sometimes could be easy when the flows are this high. You don't have to get in the water. You don't necessarily even want to get in the water. A lot of those fish are pushed right up on the edges um, and finding a lot of the soft water that's not too far off of the bank is a great option. And you're using... On Clear Creek, use bright color worms, pinks and reds to stand out. Um, a red copper john is a great second fly on Clear Creek right now. Um, you just kind of want to have the idea, you want to throw flies that those fish can see. And when those flows are kicking hard like they are, that's where it's really, really important to keep putting more of that weight on as well. Um, Bear Creek's coming down a little bit. It was raging last week pretty good. This morning it was a little over 100, which is still high for Bear Creek, um, but you can find some nice fish in there. The clarity of that water is starting to come back a little bit. It's still going to be staying a bit, but it's very similar to Clear Creek in that those bright color worms and those copper johns are really good patterns there. All right, we are out of time, but real quick, I want you to, have you got some upcoming classes for the people who want to get into fly fishing, and how do they get a hold of you guys? Yeah, we absolutely do. So our shop is up here in Evergreen, and every Saturday, starting today, and we do this for the rest of the summer, we do a free class here up at our shop. And it's not too in-depth, but we teach you how to properly cast a fly rod, how to rig up your rod for the different methods we use on the river, including the knots. And we do it every single Saturday here at the shop at 10 in the morning, and it goes for about an hour or so. And there's no need to call, no need to register for these classes. You just want to show up at our shop up in Evergreen about 10 minutes before 10, and uh, we run those all summer. We also run in-depth fly fishing classes that will really speed up the learning curve for a lot of the new anglers. Uh, would, 
involves a night in our shop where we're getting really in depth of casting mechanics and you know the entomology or the aquatic insects in the river and what our goal in fly fishing really is and then we get to spend all day on the river with our guide and so that is a tremendous class we do that once a week starting um, a couple months ago and we do that all the way through september now that class since it involves a day on the river with the guide call us up here at the shop to register um, the number is 303-674 four seven zero zero um and we're always here to help if you have questions on rivers you're going to go fish or flies that you you know want to know what to use that are working really well call us up here at the shop we are always more than happy to help out and of course bluecoalangler.com right yep www.bluecoalangler.com um we have our social media and instagram and, and facebook as well we'll post a lot of information out there um, we try to update our fishery reports as often as we can on our website, too, to keep the public um, really in the know-how of what's going on. Um, and, yeah, it's it's nice to finally start getting in this summer, Terry. I love it. All right. We're out of time, my friend, but thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk again soon. That sounds good. You have a great weekend, Terry, and everybody out there, have fun on the free fishing weekend. You bet. That's uh, Chris Steinbeck from Blue Quill Angler. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Glenn Catone from Arkansas Headwaters is going to join us, and we'll find out what's going on in one of our most famous rivers in the state right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. 65 years of serving the outdoor public. If you've never been in one of their stores or up and down the front range, just stop in and check them out. You'll be amazed. Let's go to the phones and waiting, I hope, patiently from the Arkansas Headwaters from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Glenn Catone. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Terry. Sorry, we're running a little behind to get to you, but I I thought that... uh, I thought the folks from Blue Quill had some pretty neat information and wanted to get out to the people, but you also are going to bring us stuff from one of the probably most famous rivers. Maybe the Colorado is more famous, but the Arkansas, as far as recreation, maybe one of the most famous and destination rivers in the state of Colorado. Before we even start, describe the Arkansas Headwaters Park and what it encompasses. Well, we're a, we're a state park, and we're we're a little bit goofy compared to a lot of the other state parks because we are along the Arkansas River. Our park is long and skinny. It's a hundred and some odd miles long, and starts near Leadville and ends at Lake Pueblo. Along the along the park, we've got eight different campgrounds set up at uh, varying places along the river, and probably twenty or thirty boat ramps. To uh, make accessing the river easy, and we've got a uh, bunch of state wildlife areas or conservation easements along the river, so that is uh, makes for a lot of uh, easy access for fishing. Hey, on your camping, Glenn, are are all your campsites on the reservation system now? Yeah, that changed over just a few years ago, and it's all reservation only. And we do have some, we're another unusual aspect, we do have some free dispersed camping in our park, which is all first-come, first-served basis, but all of the paid campsites are reservation only. Okay, and they go on the site, and I think you can get to it through Parks and Wildlife, and there's a couple other ways. And you can even reserve it the day of, but you can't use one without without going onto the site 
but you can do that on your online or on phone on your cell phone and you can actually find if you came across a campsite that day but in today's world with how busy it is i would think it's better to have the reservation ahead of time and make sure you've got a campsite waiting for you because visitations are uh, off the charts at all our state parks and that's causing some other issues that we're going to get to in just a minute but before we get to that what are your water levels like right now and how is the boating and fishing uh, well, the boating is, is getting to be great because uh, just in the last day or so, the water has started coming up. And uh, this morning, it's 1360 cubic feet per second at uh, Wellsville, which is kind of the Chafee Fremont County line area. And, uh, and it's on its way up. So the fishing is going to be a little rough. Uh, and this morning, there's probably eight inches to a foot of visibility near the shore. Um, but yeah, fishing is going to be a little tough in the river right now. If you go up by uh, Hayden Meadows area, that's up near Leadville, there's a lot less flow up there, and it, and the water may be clearer. Now, before we get to more of the boating, when when would you think the fishing would, the water would clear up a little bit and you'd have better fishing throughout the length of the river? Is that usually go like this for a while, or is it just unpredictable? Well, it, it, it's a little bit of both. It's uh, definitely unpredictable because uh, the runoff is influenced by the weather and temperatures and rain. Uh, but typically, and, and we don't have a ton of snow this year, so I believe the, the runoff is not going to be real long. I don't think it's going to last for more than a few weeks. And as soon as it stabilizes, uh, then the water right away starts clearing out. So I bet... Uh, it's going to be clearing up. Okay. Now, as far as boating, with the water coming up, Arkansas River is an incredibly popular place, both to drift for fishing, but also for whitewater rafting, for kayaks, for people in all types of boats that love to float the river. Um, and you have some controlled water, so you have a pretty long season. You could, uh, the intensity of the flow can vary over the course, depending on how much runoff is coming, but it's almost always floatable all through the summer. And with the ex extended visitation we're getting, you are kind of concerned, and you may have to take some, some, uh, some actions. Tell us about that. <clears throat> Yeah, in our, in our management plan, we, we've got capacities for different sections of rivers uh, for number of boats. And our management plan says that if we exceed 75% of those capacities for private rafters and boaters, then we need to start an education and redistribution effort. And that's, that's kind of what we're talking about today. This summer, there's, there's five days all on weekends that uh, – last summer um, were close to or exceeded the 75%. So we're trying to get folks on tomorrow and next weekend to float some other section besides Browns Canyon. That's, that's the basis of it. And the reason for that is if you exceed that, you may be forced to put in a permit system, not for the there's already a permit system for guides and outfitters, but for the individuals, and nobody wants to see it come to that. We want people to be spontaneous. So if I'm headed out the next couple of weekends, I may want to avoid Browns Canyon. What are some of my alternative spots? Well, we've got, we've got lots of them. 
But just above Browns Canyon is called the Fraction, and that starts from our railroad bridge campground. There's a boat ramp there, and you can go all the way to uh, Buena Vista or all the way down to Ruby Mountain to make it an even longer trip. And that difficulty is probably maybe a little bit tougher than Browns Canyon, but it's right in the same kind of difficulty area. And then another great section is just below Browns Canyon, and that uh, starts from Stone Bridge. That's a day-use area with boat ramps. And you can either go down to um, Big Brend or down to Salida East for, uh, for a nice float. And that's a little bit easier than Browns Canyon uh, for difficulty-wise and, uh, and much better fishing down there, too. Now, um, as we get into the summer and you're monitoring this usage, is there information on the park website or on a Facebook page where they can see what's going on and go over the message and get some of these recommendations? Um, yeah, you can go to our um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife website at cpw.state.co.us or just Google it. And then uh, select your park, the Arkansas Headwaters, and go to the voting section and to the private voters page, and we update the information regularly on there. And then there are a few local Facebook groups um, for Arkansas voters also, and they've been trying to get the message out too. Now, you're particularly concerned about these next couple weekends. Is this going to be an ongoing concern throughout the summer? No, we based that on, on use from last summer and the summer before, and uh, our, our permit guru has determined that uh, there's this five days this summer are the, um, the kind of the more critical ones, and two of them already have passed for Memorial Day weekend. So we're just concerned about uh, tomorrow and then next Saturday and Sunday. All right. Well, Glenn, hopefully everybody heeds that. You know, first thing, we don't want to put a negative message. We want people outdoors. We're just going to have to be a little more aware of where we're going, what's going on there, and how we're interacting with other people and the resource. I think it's a, a great message in the overall message, too, Glenn, and especially from a great river that we just want to make sure stays accessible to everywhere, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Glenn. Thank you, Terry. That's a good message. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Glenn, Glenn tone from the Arkansas headwaters. We're going to take a time out. Then we're going to take you a little bit east to a reservoir, uh, to, to a park that a lot of you may not understand. And they've just gotten a very special award, or they got it a while ago. We're going to tell you about that and a lot more going on that you can do there. All that and more coming up on Terry Wicks from Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Uh, locations in Broomfield, Lafayette, Loveland, Fort Collins, and even Cheyenne. And later on, next hour, we're going to talk about the camping gear they carry there. If you haven't gone and looked at that and you're getting into tent camping or getting outdoors, you're just going to love it. Hey, let's go right to the phones again now. And I know all of you listening out there, I said right to the phones. We'll get back into that later. That's an inside joke if you weren't listening a few weeks ago. But uh, Brent Lounsbury is joining us from Castlewood Canyon State Park. Good morning, Brent. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Doing great. What a beautiful day. I would imagine where you're located, the sun is just beaming there right now. It is. We We got sunny skies, blue skies. It's a beautiful day. 
Yeah, and you guys just recently, or not, in fact, a little while ago, one of three parks in Colorado and 13 in the nation to get a special award. But before we even get into that, let's tell people about Castlewood Canyon. First, tell them where it's located, maybe kind of describe the park. Sure. So we are uh, just southeast of Castle Rock, probably about 20 minutes away from Founders and I-25. Folks are familiar with that area. And um, we're what you'd think is kind of out in the prairie, but what we have is a very unique geological area where uh, Cherry Creek has cut a canyon uh, through some rock formations, and we've got an extremely Um, unique and special place here where we've got a lot of different kinds of ecosystems and uh, it's a it's a very different kind of place than you would expect driving out east from castle rock no you're exactly right in ecosystems you've got prairie you've got forests you've got riparian areas and you've got tremendous geology in the canyon so let's talk now you're a day use park what types of activities do people typically come out there for i bet a lot of picnicking and hiking Yes, I'd say uh, those are the two main draws. Hiking uh, is the is the biggest one there. Most of what we see are families. We're very family friendly. Great place to bring your kids. Great place to bring uh, grandma. We see a lot of you know three generation families out here hiking through the park together. So that's really our main draw. We've got 14 miles of trails, and uh, it's a great place to come out and do that. We do also have a lot of different picnic areas, um, picnic tables out in the park where you can you know, spread your tablecloth out and and just have a, a lovely meal outdoors together. Now, do you have some bigger picnic areas that maybe are reservable for events or anything? We do. Um, we actually have quite a few events out here. A lot of people use us to, to get married. A lot of people uh, have like family reunions or have their churches get together out here. So we've got three uh, covered picnic pavilions, each of which can host up to about 60 people. And those are reservable, um, and folks can either reserve those online at Parks and Wildlife's uh, website, or they can um, call here at the Visitor Center, and we can get them squared away. And, you know, you talked about the geology, the formations, the interesting different ecosystems and the terrain you have and how beautiful it is. You also have some pretty good, uh, I don't know if you call it wildlife watching or bird watching, but a lot of raptors there. Is that right? That's correct. We're actually an internationally uh, recognized birding area, and we have a because we have these uh, these cliffs. The cliffs will have um, you know little small caves in them that make excellent um, nest sites for raptors. So we have a lot of raptors nesting on the park. We're also the largest uh, turkey vulture rookery in the state of Colorado. In fact, our citizen science uh, volunteers once counted 74 turkey vultures in the park on one day. So we have, uh, we have if, you, if you like to look at birds, we're a great place. That turkey vulture, if people have never seen one, is an amazing bird, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're huge. They're really big, and uh, they'll ride the thermals over the canyon, and you'll see them out there circling. It's, it's something to see. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, another activity we didn't mention, but you're one of a couple parks that has a pretty good rock climbing uh, area in it, too. Yeah, kind of spread throughout the park. Um, We have a number of different sites where, you know, they're they're top bolted and 
Um, a lot of folks come out and, and do rock climbing, again, because we have really cool rocks. And on the side of the canyon walls, uh, it can be a great place to do that. We've also got a lot of areas because of um, boulders coming off of the, the canyon walls over time. We've got some good opportunity for bouldering as well, um, which is another opportunity a lot of people come out for. All right. Now, let's talk about this award. This is pretty special. Um, the Leave No Trace people have given 13 uh, awards out nationally to parks or areas that have lived up to their their standards, gold standard, and only three in Colorado so far. And you're one of the three. Tell us about that. That's correct. So we actually received that award last year, kind of in the middle of the whole COVID-19 craziness. And uh, we, you know, we, we technically received it last year, but we actually waited until uh, last month to formally do the handoff. We got our plaque from Leave No Trace. And the reason for that is because a lot of our volunteers were involved and we wanted to make an event out of it. And uh, just with COVID-19 and everything, we waited until this year. So we did just finally get our plaque, and it's, a, it's an awesome thing. It recognizes a tremendous amount of work that our staff and volunteers have done in getting the message out to the public about how to use the outdoors in a sustainable fashion. Tell people, just we've got maybe a minute or two left, tell people a little bit about what Leave No Trace is and what you had to go through to earn this. Yeah, so they're uh, an organization, they're local to Colorado, and they promote seven principles for sustainable outdoor recreation, things like uh, planning ahead and preparing for your trip, travel and camping on durable surfaces, um, disposing of waste properly, leaving what you find, things like that that are, um, you know, that are really geared towards making sure that people leave no trace when they go outside. And uh preserve our lands in the beautiful way that they are now so the so things that we had to do yeah go ahead i'm sorry terry go ahead okay <laughs> all right no, no. um <laughs> things that we had to do um we had to get staff and volunteers trained up to get this message out to the public um we've done a lot of outreach like in 2019 we had 4,500 school kids get the Leave No Trace message when they came out for field trips at the park. Those were all trained, taught by uh, park naturalists. Um, we've got messaging out on our trailheads and our signs in the park about Leave No Trace and how to do it. Um, so just a, a, a lot of different outreach, um, making sure that it's really an integral part of everything that we do and everything that we message to the public here. Now, Brent, we're running out of time, but I think the the main main couple messages I want to leave from this segment. One is, folks, if you haven't been out to uh, Castlewood Canyon Park, go out and check it out. It's what a day trip for just the interesting things out there, the birds, the canyon, the ecosystems, and, and you're going to have great sunny weather. It's just a, and trails. It's a place you need to get out to. But also I think the leave no trace principle, we've got so many people going outdoors since COVID that we really we want to encourage them. We don't want to preach or discourage people from going outdoors, but let's keep it so it looks the way it does when you get there so we can all really enjoy it. And Leave No Trace is a great organization for that. I'll give you the last comment, Brent, and then we've got to close it up. No, for sure. I appreciate that message very much, Terry. And um, for anybody that might be coming out, we're really looking forward to seeing you. All right. Thank you so much. I hope lots of people get out and enjoy your park. All right. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate it.
You bet, Brent from Castlewood Canyon Park. Jerry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit in the next segment and talk about a place you could go that you may have never heard of before, right here on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I mean, if you haven't been in one of their stores camping, fishing, hunting, grilling, they've got great grills and accessories, just everything you want for all your outdoor activities. Let's go to the phones, and we're going to take you to a a new place that's actually been around for a long, long time, but a lot of people don't know it exists, and it offers just a a wealth of opportunities for outdoor activities, and that's a Monument Lake Resort. And joining us from Monument Lake is Brett McGuire, McGraw. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. And, you know, I think there's probably just such a huge number of people that, first of all, they hear Monument, they think of Monument Hill and that lake that's up there, which this isn't. This is located just west of Trinidad. I'll have you give us the location. But they hear about Monument Lake Resort. Now, they really don't know what it's about, even though it's been around, I think, for, gosh, it's probably been around for 89, I don't know, what did you say, 1937 it was around since? But it was kind yeah. of on a decline. It was kind of on a decline. It wasn't being promoted and taken care of. Well, you changed that. You recently went in. You bought the resort. You're renovating it. But you're making it a great place to go, and yet you're keeping the pricing so so reasonable. First of all, tell people where Monument Lake Resort is located. So Monument Lake Resort is about four miles past Stonewall, Colorado, on Highway 12, the Highway of Legends, um, and south of La Vida, about 45 miles, um, straight west of Trinidad, about 40 miles. Uh, so it's in, we- it's, it's in western Colorado. But uh, we're in the Sangre de Cristo uh, mountain range. It's a beautiful one-mile lake, historic uh, buildings and structures here. I mean, it is a, it's almost a place that time forgot about. You know, that it's, it's not modernized, but it is very comfortable. And uh, people just, I mean, people have been coming here since the, you know, I talked to, I talked to 70, 75-year-old women say we and men that have been coming here their whole lives their parents brought, have been bringing them here and they've brought their you know younger generations too so place is awesome awesome it's just a diamond in the it, rough it really is i was out there once but many years ago in the 90s where actually along with roland martin we hosted an ice fishing tournament on the lake now the lake is full of trout tell us about the fishing before we get into the other amenities so the fishing on the lake, it's a one-mile no-wake lake, and it is stocked by the uh, CPW. And uh, I think we're at about 12,000 this season right now, stocking rainbows and browns. Um, they, the, the CPW supports us so well, and, and uh, they just they keep them coming. And uh, I, uh, I, I'm an avid fly fisherman, and, and we've been so busy working and renovating to get the place going that I haven't I hadn't had a chance to go out on the lake and fish. Finally, yesterday, whenever I got out here, I, I took one of our two-man pontoons out, and I mean the fishing is phenomenal, both both spinner and and fly rods. Now you told me that you uh, you typically catch a lot of 10 to 14 inch trout, but up to 20 inches is that still the case? Absolutely, yeah. They, I mean, they, the 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 larger fish are in there, 
um, I've seen, you know, I've walked up to guys who are holding a 20, 22-inch nice, big, beautiful brown, you know, and uh, they pull them out of here on a daily basis. But the, the fortunate part of it is with CPW is they'll, they'll bring us a, a load of broods as well. So they're just big, large, you know, female fish that have that uh, that they're not using in the hatcheries no more, and, and they stock our, our lake with them as well. So we've, we've got some beautiful fish here. Now, you're an avid fly angler yourself, but the lake is available to any type of fishing that's, you know, legal type of fishing in Colorado. You can't have minnows up there, but you can have other types of bait. And, of course, you can use all your spinning gear. But you actually even have a fly shop right on the premises, I believe, don't you? We do. We do have a full fly shop and a full bait bait shop. We don't sell uh, live bait, but, you know, all artificial you know worms and things like that for the for the spinner guys but uh yeah we carry uh rl winston uh we're a dealer for them and uh so we we do have some beautiful fly rods and and buyer uh buyer reels and, and our our merchandise and and our our vendors are very good to us and we carry top of the line top of the line stuff no. we, all of our flies are by uh uh pistol pete so now, if you, if you if I come up there, I want to get into the amenities here in just a second. But if I come up there just for a day trip of fishing, what is it? It's a private lake or private. The whole thing is private, so you have to pay to get on. But what does a day pass cost? A, a day pass for a vehicle only is six dollars. Uh, if you're coming up here with an RV or a boat, it's twelve dollars a day, and uh, then we do. Uh, $45 annual passes as well. And that's, you know, that's really, if you're going to come up here more than once, that's that's the best deal you can get right there. So, Well, I think if you're going to come up there, you want to come up there more than once because it's beautiful. Now tell us first about the lodging and the camping. Okay, so on the on the lodging, we have 13 cabins. Um, all have queen beds. Some of, the, some of the cabins have bunk beds as well and kitchenettes. And then we have 20 hotel rooms that overlook the uh, the gorgeous lake too. So um, it's uh, the 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 cabins run 139 to 169 a night, and hotel rooms run uh, 129 to 139, depending on if you get one queen or two queen room. And then you got camping. Tell us about your camp. You have a lot of campsites. We do. We we've got uh, we've got 49 uh, full and partial hookups uh for rv people and and the the rv folks just they they love this place and then we've also got uh we've got about 49 dry camping spots all around the lake that can take an rv uh self-contained but they're also you know designed for tent camping as well so we've and uh, we've got a lot of space now speaking of the fishing uh you've got a lot of rentals for both recreation and fishing but is the shore fishing pretty good too the shore fishing is amazing. I mean, the, the people in the, you know, historically, that's all there was here. And so everybody that came out, they everybody fished from the shore. We just added this year, we added uh, four two-man fishing pontoons with, with uh, Minn Kota trolling motor, iPilot trolling motors on them. And then we've got a large 15-passenger uh, double-deck pontoon down here for you know, larger parties that want to go out. Um, we we rent out paddle boards, kayaks, canoes, uh, the whole gamut. But uh, people are, so this year people are really getting a feel of getting to go out in the middle of the water, use depth finders, you know, 
and and see the fish and and see the drop offs in the lake and that's what I did yesterday. You know, I was I was just fishing drop offs and this is these are areas that that nobody's ever fished before. And I mean the fish are, I mean they, they are everywhere. You know, but it has just been uh, historically primary uh, bank fishing. Yes. We are out of time, Brent, but tell people how they find out more about your facility. You can go to uh, www.themonumentlakeresort.com, or uh, you can call us at 719-680-0580. And uh, everything you need to know is on our website. You can just Google Monument Lake Resort, jump on there. You can do all of your booking online. Or just call us and we can walk you through it as well. All right. Brent, sounds like just a beautiful place. I need to get back there. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Hope to see you soon. Thank you very much. You bet. Brett Lunsbury from, I'm, I'm sorry, Brett McGraw from uh, Monument Lake. Uh, just a great, great place. We're going to take a quick time out. And our favorite fisherman, Nate Zielinski, is going to join us and talk walleye fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.